Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We're here with guest Laura Berg. She's the author of the new book, Thriving Life. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We've got a little bit of an audio delay. <laughs> we definitely have one, but that's okay. We're going to work through it because we're live radio and we're troopers, aren't we, Laura? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So your new book comes out November 2nd, and uh, tell us about it. So Thriving Life, well, it's an awesome title. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just decided that I wanted to write a book that kind of shared all of the experiences that I've had in life that I've sort of had to overcome that I think are pretty common that other people experience and just uh, put the lessons that I've learned in a book to share with other people. I love it. So you're not only an author, you're a therapist, you're a professor, you're an entrepreneur, and you're an award-winning parenting expert. Tell us about how all of that weaves in together and um, how you came to do some of the things that you uh, do right now, like a professor, author, you know, all of it. It's a lot of titles. I know. It's crazy. When some people, somebody asks me, what do you do for a living? I just think, where do I start? <laughs> uh, well, I actually became a I went to get my physiotherapist degree, that's not right, psychotherapist degree, um, because I wanted to write this book. So I didn't actually have an interest in running therapy sessions. I wanted it it more from a knowledge perspective. Uh, And then I'm a professor. I love teaching. And so it was all part of the whole learning and um, it just fit into what I wanted to do with my life as far as teaching, learning, and sharing my knowledge with other people. Perfect. Where are you a professor, just so we know? Uh, I teach at Humber College in Toronto, Canada. Awesome. And um, tell us about, tell us more about the, like, what the book's about. Like, why, why should we read this book? Well, it's just, it's almost like a mishmash of uh, topics that I put together. So, as I said, I feel like the topics that I selected are a lot of issues that people might deal with in their life and what I've really dealt with. So, for example, you know, one of the chapters is about being a victim. And I lived a lot of my life as a victim. And I found that living in this state of victimhood really held me back from other things that I wanted to do in life. So I talk about my experience as a victim and then how I overcame it and the things that I learned around um, different strategies people could use to overcome that. Um, Another chapter is about defining your happiness. So it's not about being happy because, you know, if you have depression, I would never say to somebody, just be happy. And I have struggled with depression my whole life. But it's about defining what makes you happy. And until you can sit down and actually define that, it's really hard to attain happiness because what are you striving for? So I talk about that because a lot of us have grown up with the idea of what happiness should look like, but it's not actually what will make us happy. You know, our parents tell us, society tells us, our teachers tell us, 
Um, so I talk a bit about that in the book. I talk about toxic relationships, you know, family relationships, romantic relationships, even friendships. So all of the things that I address in the book are um, just things that I think a lot of people deal with in life. Yeah. When I when I went through your book, it looked like each chapter sort of discussed, a, a like you're saying, like a specific topic and um, something relatable, like that we that most of us have struggled with at one time or another in our lives. Um, tell us about um, like this. It's got what I liked about your book is it had practical tips and like a step by step approach. Can you talk about that a little bit more so readers can understand? Yep, we've got these topics that are going to interest me, but how many? How am I going to learn from this? Exactly. That was my goal with this book is that I really wanted to give people actionable steps that they could take to kind of tackle things that they're experiencing in their lives. And so every single chapter might not resonate with every person. You know, there's a chapter on toxic family members. Maybe that's not an issue that people are experiencing, but there's something on, um, you know, comparing yourself with other people and you want to kind of stop doing that because you feel that holds you back. So you can just kind of skip ahead to that chapter. And in each chapter, I've tried to put actionable steps that you could take, whether it's sitting down and writing out answers to questions that I pose to help you overcome that particular thing in the chapter that I'm addressing. Okay. Well, I just got a compliment as we were talking. And an order. <laughs> That's kind of cool. So you said, wow, you both have that neat. So you said, boy, I love your voices together. I thought that was an interesting comment, oh, nice. and I just ordered the book. I don't know what the book's totally about, but I'm going to go order it because you guys sound like you are resonating with each other. That's a really interesting comment. Thank you for that. And it's not somebody we know. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, so that's cool. Somebody just pre-ordered your book. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, thank you for doing that, and thank you for listening to the Best Ever You Show. That's what we're here for is supporting each other, and that, that's the whole name of the game, don't you think? It's just being there for each other. Yeah. De- definitely. So let's go let's go over to your website for a minute and um I know we've got a little bit of an audio delay that we're working through, but people are like it's it's okay. Um I I want to talk about like how people can book you for their event. What what does that mean? Like uh, it looks like you you love to public speak. I absolutely love speaking and I have to say back to that that compliment that we just got it's so lovely because we are experiencing this delay between each other so it's you have that pausing <laughs> conversation and yet they're still getting that we're vibing and able to have a really nice conversation <laughs> despite the the online delay that we're experiencing so that was lovely um booking me I do I love speaking at conferences and really connecting with people and um sharing experiences and having uh, conversations face-to-face with people, it's so meaningful, so I love speaking. And, yeah, people can just go to my website and reach out to me and and have a conversation about their topic that they're looking at. And I list the topics that I'm kind of familiar with speaking on and um, book me that way. Perfect. What does the, um, the award of the YouTube silver play button mean? That's pretty neat. What's that mean? Yeah, it's, um, it was – for getting 100,000 um, subscribers. They, YouTube gives you the play button for the amount of people that follow you. 
Oh, I like that. I need to. That's a goal. Hashtag goals, Elizabeth. Yay! <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> what, did, what did you? Um, what did you do? Everybody wants to know the secret of getting subscribers and so forth, but not fake ones. Like you know, real life people who engage and interact with you. It's easy to get fake followers and things like that, and that's that's um, a lot of what's on the internet, and that's why people sort of tread around with you know tiptoe around the internet to find things that they can trust and people they trust. So that's really cool that you you got that. Was there um a method that you used or something that you did that's very entrepreneurial of you? Yeah, well, I was very lucky actually because I started a business. So I have a baby sign language company that I started as a way to stay at home with my daughter. I didn't have any entrepreneurial aspirations, but I just wanted to stay at home with her after I had her and still had to earn money. So I started this business and YouTube had just launched and it was a great way for me to post a video that showed people a baby using sign language to communicate and sort of promote my business. Uh, and with that, I continued over the years. I mean, I've been on YouTube since 2007, so a very long time. Um, I've just grown my audience, you know, um, organically and by sharing my life and uh, family with them through videos. I love that. All right, well, you're going to have another subscriber because I, I, um, I'm just learning about you personally. And, um, you know, while our audience might be completely and totally familiar with you, I, I personally was not, I will admit that. And, um, and, and I don't think you knew who I was either very well. And so it's, it's cool when we have these connections and um, we, we grow from there. Um, what was – okay, so t- tell me a little bit more about your daughter. I'm curious there. You just, you just brought her into the conversation and you have a baby sign language company. That um, I'd love to know about, about your daughter, if you don't mind. If you, if you do, just say no topic off limits. No, I'm always happy to talk about my children. <laughs> I have a daughter and a son, and my daughter, um, she kind of almost grew up on YouTube, you know, where we shared her experience with sign language and her language development and whatnot. And then, you know, as she grew up, we started doing, you know, family crafts and recipes that we would share with other people. And now she's a teenager. She's almost 16. And we share conversations about issues that parents might have with children. Like we just did a video on communicating uh, with your teenager and how hard it is right now for, for teens and parents. And we sort of gave tips and strategies based on um, a teenager's perspective and then a parent's perspective as well. So, yeah, she's a big part of my channel. That's perfect. Yeah, we have uh, four boys. They are, well, not really boys anymore. I call them young men. They're 20, 20, 20. Yeah, we're on, on, um, (laughs) you know, and and again, this is, this is, this whole show is like a a fun conversation between two people. Like you're, like if you're listening, you're sort of eavesdropping on our conversation. And one of the things I was going to say was we're, I think we're going to have a parenting palooza (laughs) on Best Ever You, where we maybe take a week and invite speakers and and so forth, and just on the topic of parenting. What do you think of that? That's a great idea. I love that idea. And I think that, uh, you know, if you want to have me and my daughter on together, (laughs) we'd be happy to. Oh, yeah. Definitely getting a child's perspective or a teenager's perspective on certain topics is very helpful because it's coming right from the horse's mouth and what sort of they need and uh, it can be very helpful. Yeah, no, completely. And so did you, 
So tell me about the the, like the target audience for Thriving Life, which is your new book out November second, and everybody can pre-order. And we had one pre-order so far <laughs> that we know of while we've been talking. Yay! So it's really awesome. um, yay. Um, but is your who's your book geared toward? Is it geared is it geared toward women, men, everybody? Uh, who's going to pick up the book? Or who do you want to pick up? The I book? think it's geared towards everyone, but it's probably skewed more to a female audience just because it's coming from a female author's perspective. Uh, but mm-hmm. I definitely made it so that it would be for everybody that people could apply the tips that I have in there. Um, for example, I talk about, um, I made a video on my experience being rejected as an adopted child and a lot of men actually reached out to me because of that. And I was really surprised because it was such an emotional video. Um, and typically, men aren't ones to be emotional when it comes to their comments towards the topics that I'm, I'm dealing with. And so I sort of had that in the back of my mind that it would be geared for both genders, but I'm imagining that more females would probably end up buying my book. Adoption. Um, so you were you were adopted, you were adopted yourself, and wh- what does that mean? Like you faced rejection from your birth family. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I it, that was actually the catalyst behind the book. Is mm-hmm. one year at Christmas, I was really feeling down and out because Christmas is always a really hard time for me. Um, My mom and father and brother, they've all passed away. So I feel very alone, especially during the holidays. And when everybody is posting on Facebook, happy family, extended family meals and grandparents and all of that, I start feeling a little woe is me. (laughs) Um, And Mm -hmm. I was um, rejected by my birth family when I reached out to them. So I found them when I was 22 and they basically told me to leave them alone. They don't want anything to do with me. And it was really devastating. And I thought if I felt this form of rejection and devastation, I can't be the only one out there, but I'm the only one in my circle of friends. So it's really hard for people to relate to that hurt that I feel and so I did the video and posted it to YouTube because I thought there's other people in the world that are, are feeling like I'm feeling. And I was honestly blown away by the amount of response I received. The video has over 500,000, 600,000 views um, with lovely comments. I get flooded with emails all the time from people who have experienced the same thing and who thanked me for sharing such a personal story because they felt so alone in their rejection and hearing my rejection made them feel like it was less about them personally. And that was why I decided to write the book because I thought, wow, if we can all share what we've learned and the hurts that we've gone through, then other people will feel less alone in the pain that they've gone through. Brilliantly put. I need to connect you with Deb Landry. She's on uh, Best Ever Use Thought Leadership Program, um, an advisor on her site. <clears throat> and she's um, she's in her 60s now, but she um, basically for fun did a genealogy test, you know, just like an Ancestry.com thing, uh, you know, one of those yep. tests. Like, um, and um, she at her age found out 
her whole family isn't really her family kind of thing. And um, the, the, the what has unfolded in her life has been so um, interesting, devastating, healing, helpful, just a, such a, just a broad mix of emotions and what, just, ah, you know what I mean? Just, just a complete mix of, of, of things that happened as a result of that one thing that she did with friends sort of as a, a, you know, not it wasn't like a, a party thing, but they were like, oh, let's do this. And thinking everybody's results, wow. and they like, yep, that's my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister and all this stuff. And her family uh, isn't who it, it just, t- it turned her whole life upside down. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I was right. I know it's about the word I had for it, too. I'm like, wow. She's like, Elizabeth, I've got something to tell you. I'm like, wow. But her name is Deb Landry, <laughs> and... um and she's she's a she's been I've been friends with her for 20 years since I moved to Maine. She's one of the first people I met here, and um, so that was shocking to to know that. But um, much um, what you're saying, I'm, I wonder if she knows you because <clears throat> she had faced rejection too from people saying, "Hey, I'm your sister" or whatever it was. Um, she faced rejection from those people. Like we, you know, Ouch. go back yeah. And, and yeah, go back to where you were and we're good not knowing you kind of thing. And that's, that's devastating. It's so hurtful. It is so painful when that happens. Yeah. Um, hang on. I'm going to, um, one second. I know we're live on the radio. I want to just make sure I, I, I want to see if Deb can come on. I doubt she can, but it'd be really nice to connect you anyway. On or off. <laughs> so tell me, um, tell me more about um, why did that. So it was that moment yeah, when you were older or younger, and talk about the depression and anxiety that you've had, because that's another topic. There's a stigma to that, and people don't talk about that enough. There is definitely a stigma to it. So with the adoption, as an adopted person, and this is just me speaking personally, but I have heard from a lot of adoptees who feel the same thing, is we feel like we're giveawayable. Like we feel like somebody was able to get rid of us. And I know we're always told, you know, you were loved and they loved you enough, how hard it was been. Yes, 100%. I get that on a logical level. But on an emotional level, we still feel like somebody could get rid of us. And that feeling of being giveawayable really plays into our self-esteem and our self-image. And so when I search for them, when I was a teenager, I was teen, 18 when I started searching, and it took, it took a long time because back when I was adopted, there was no, it was like non-identifying information you received, so I didn't really even know where to start. And when I eventually found Can I back them, you up? Can I stop you for reject- one second? Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, I have a question. Um, were you, um, t- t- go back to being adopted, um, were you, adopted from birth or talk about the adoption process with you. Um, Did you know you were adopted? Yeah, good question. I was adopted at birth or six weeks. I was in, um, you know, with the Children's Aid Society for six weeks until I was placed. Uh, So I was basically a newborn. Uh, I didn't know I was adopted until I was around, I'm going to say five or six. And the only reason I was told at that age is because they told my brother that he was adopted. We were adopted from different families. 
Um, and so they knew that he would tell me <laughs> that I was adopted. And honestly, if they didn't tell me, I would know because my parents all have brown hair and brown eyes and are short, as is my brother, because back then they tried to match the babies to look like the parents. And then I have red hair, blue eyes, freckles. I'm really tall. So I would stand out like a sore thumb in my family if they didn't tell me I was adopted. Got it. Okay. And then you said that your mom, your father, and your brother have passed away. Is is this your adoptive family? Yeah, they're the people that I refer to as my oh. family because they raised me. Your family, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, and so, okay, got it. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I get the get, get your you know get the the pieces right so I can talk intelligently to you. I'm like okay because you know I the reason why I'm asking questions is because our family um, adopted a child at birth. And so um, we don't say he's adopted or anything like that. I mean, for this conversation I am, but he's just Justin to us and our brother. And um, so I have, a, I wouldn't say like I'm any expert or anything like that, but I have a decent amount of experience with adoption. Um, and my parents, when we lived in Iowa, they, um, we, every year that's all we did was um, help the the home with all the children in it. So that's why I was asking if you came from like a group home or something like that, or if you were adopted at birth, because we donated a lot of our time and energy to make sure kids had Christmas and their holidays were well, their birthdays were well, and things like that um, as a family. That's so lovely. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. It's it's a very interesting perspective to grow up um, with your parents and then see, um, you know, your own parents and you as a child are, you know, basically not adopted and that type of thing. And then think, oh, there's other people in the world. So there's a completely different, um, side that you see with children. Yeah. I think people don't even realize, um, the language that people choose to use around adoptees, uh, can, can be hurtful without even realizing that they're hurtful. Um, for mm-hmm. example, my cousin, after my mom died, he said to me, I want you to know I love you like family. And I thought, uh, yeah, but I, I am family. Like I'm you didn't family. have to, you could say I love you, period. Yeah. Sometimes people do that in marriages too with the, um, with the person that they marry who isn't family. They never really treat them like family. That's a really common I know, thing, I know. actually. <laughs> yeah, very common. So, yeah, it's it. You always you. So yeah, you always are search. It feels like sometimes you're always searching for someone to love you in a way. And um, it's so true. To, to me, the book you've written is a little bit more about loving yourself. Yes, and starting one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, beautifully and, said. Yeah, I'm very familiar with this, by the way, where you're just. Con- constantly searching for external approval and that type of thing. I turned, I shut that faucet off <laughs> about 15 years ago. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> it's not external approval, it's internal approval. Aha, my best ever me, my best ever you, that type of thing. So I completely understand what you're, what you're saying. So with that said, like with the internal search for being your best and living your best life and so forth, um, can you tell us a few more things that your book has um, in it, like topics in it, so we can get to know you and your book a little bit more? Sure. And I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, you need to start focusing on turning that tap off. But it's work. Yeah. It is 
hard work and you have to actually make a conscious effort to do it. Um, so going back to the chapters that you're talking about, it's like one of them is if you do nothing, nothing happens. So I talk about, um, my husband told me that quote one time in life and I was just like, that makes so much sense because so many times in our life we want something or we want something to change. But if we do nothing to make that change, then nothing's going to happen for you. So what does that mean? And I really dive deep into that chapter about that. Um, I talk about making good relationships last. So sometimes when we're in relationships, especially if we've had trauma in the past, we can push people away and ruin good relationships because we don't actually know how to function properly in a good relationship. So I talk about that in the book. Um, let me yeah. think what else I talked yeah, about. That's so true. No, I, yeah. I like those two things too because, um, I, and I think I think this this is an interesting conversation. Like even if you take the adoption part, you know, the adoption piece out and just talk about like self confidence and, um, you know, to because not everybody's adopted, but they're they're not every you know there's so many different things that people go through as children and so forth, and it affects us as adults teenagers, young adults, all of it. And um, those first bunch of years of life are so important to our development. And if we're not getting the love we need, we're going to search for it and not know. And so I, I, I like the fact that your, you know, your book is like, okay, we're going to, we're going to have this beautiful thriving life and we're going to transform and not just learn how to get by, but we're going to thrive. And I'm going to show you how that's what your book feels like it is to me. Exactly. And that was my whole goal behind the book is just that people will read it and feel like I can do this. I can stop sort of being my own worst enemy. And because in the book, I don't even really address that whole adoption trauma that much. I talk about it a little bit, but I also grew up in a very abusive household. Father was incredibly abusive to us and should never have had children. Luckily, my mother was a beautiful angel, but um, it still was really traumatic for us as kids in the in the house and so that affects your state of mind and the relationships that you form and the relationships that you see as normal or not normal uh one other thing i wanted to mention too is that i talk about experiences in the book and what if bad experiences were just experiences so it's really stopping to think of the life lessons that we're having um from what we interpret as bad experiences. Now, don't get me wrong. There are bad things that happen to people in the world, sure. but there are also things that happen that feel really bad. But what is that life lesson? What can that prevent us from having later in life that could be worse for us? Like what can we take from that experience and take out the bad of it and just learn from that? Mm. Yeah. Now, Part of this, um, I like this part of your book about setting limits in relationships too. How's the, what's the relationship tie-in to all of this? I know you talk a lot about relationships. I just heard you say it a few times. Um, why relationships? Well, for me, it was important because I think that a lot of us who have had issues with relationships, whether it be growing up with our parents um, you know, not feeling enough love, feeling rejection, feeling um, un- 
or experiencing abuse in our families, whatever it is, it affects our relationships. And the one thing that I wanted to address that was really important to me was how to set limits, especially on toxic family relationships, because so many of us have it in our mind that we have to put up with certain behaviors from family members that are not acceptable and that you wouldn't accept from other people. And I really wanted people to know that it is okay for you to set limits on your family relationships. And if they can't meet those limits, and if they keep pushing those limits, that it's okay for you to end those relationships. Um, same with friendships and romantic relationships. I, I talk about different, there are three different chapters in the book because they're very important to talk about. Right, and and without those limits, you're sort of um, you don't have boundaries, and and can fall you know into that like victim mode, right? Exactly, setting boundaries is so important. Um, my brother really struggled uh, growing up because of the abuse. He turned to life on the streets and drugs and crime and all of that stuff, and. Um, it was very hard on me because I just wanted to save him all the time. I wanted to protect him. But every time I did, it killed me. Like he dragged me down mentally. It was exhausting and very difficult. And my mom said to me one time, she said, look, you don't have to just cut him off and end the relationship, but you need to set boundaries. So imagine it as a building. You're on the 20th floor. He's on the main floor. If you're always walking down to the main floor to help him and then walking back up again, walking down, walking back up, you're exhausted. You're putting in all that work. But if you say to him, look, I'll meet you on the 10th floor or even I'll meet you on the 7th floor. I'll give a little bit more because I know you can't. Then you're setting limits. So you're saying, I'll help you, but you need to also help me help you. Mm-hmm. So it's setting um, those limits that are important. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a complicated family dynamic as well too because it's you've got one thing going on which is adoption and then you've got a second um storyline going in there with an abusive father that you're adopted, you know, into this household with an abusive father. So, how did that how did that um shape you as an individual with both of those um things going, you know, both there's there's a lot going on there to unpack. <laughs> there really is. There really is a lot going on. Because you think about it, as an adopted child who felt giveawayable and not yeah. wanted, being adopted into a family who the father really showed that you weren't wanted or you weren't worthy or that you weren't valued was very soul-destroying. And it really played on my psyche and how I viewed myself and how I let people treat me as I grew up and became an adult. So I had to do a lot, a lot of work in therapy and in sort of just soul searching of myself of what I wanted to value myself mm-hmm. as instead of what I feel other people showed me I was worth. Did you have a like a pivotal moment in your life where you're like, enough's enough, I'm going to go get you know help and... Um you know, overcome this? Well, luckily, I mean, luckily is not the right word, but we had lots of mandated therapy because of my brother and the troubles that he had and because, you know, he was 
uh, a troubled youth. He was arrested as a juvenile, and um, so we had a lot of mandated therapy. So I was very familiar with the idea of therapy. And then when I turned 16, I was really, really depressed, and I tried to kill myself. And um, my I was put into the hospital and had to go for therapy there. And then just kind of throughout my life, up until the point I think I met my husband, I wanted to feel better. I wanted to be okay. But I really, your brain is still developing and changing when you're a teenager and even a young adult that you don't really know how to take control of your life. Uh, So probably my aha moment was just meeting my husband and getting the support of this unconditional love and who he treats me like a queen and um, I always say to my children my hope for you in life is that you meet somebody who loves you the way your father loves me so I think that was very helpful in 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 my life is I want this I want this relationship I want to feel valued and this person is making me feel valued and so I'm I need to tell myself that and believe that I'm worthy of this so I, that, that was my big kind of changing moment. Love it. You know, and two, that creates like a baseline for you to feel good. And then you can kind of go back and fill the foundation and understand things and so forth. But it's, I think it's really, I think it's really hard to ask people, um, you know, to just, you know, heal when you, when you're hurt. Yeah, you definitely cannot just heal, and uh, it takes a lot of work. And that's why, you know, sometimes I think when I wrote my book, I'm thinking, wow, this is just, you know, it's just kind of standard advice that you get in any other self-help book. There's no real revelation here. But what it is is that sometimes some of us need to hear things more than once. We need to hear things in a different way. We need to connect somehow with the material in order to – for it to resonate with us. So even though what I write in my book may be found in other books, it might just resonate with somebody and then they'll be able to start actually doing the work to feel better because they finally want to feel better and they're ready. They're ready to put that work in. Yeah. And if I could give you some advice there, you know, the, the difference, yes, you know, there's a lot of people saying the same thing. Um, you know, we feel like sometimes we're tripping all over each other in the self-help world and things like that. But the value that you bring is your story to your book. So behind, yes, okay, there's there's your book out there, but the what, what I want to hear is about you. I want to know you. I want to hear what's happened to you and so forth. And I think that's truly, like in this conversation, you've been very candid, very vulnerable, very everything. And that's the part that I think people need to hear to go with your book, my book, whoever's book, because um, we're not all the same and we all have these different experiences and this different background and we're coming to the we're, we're coming to this moment with a whole bunch of different things. And um, without that, people don't feel like, you know, I'll be quiet in a minute, but people don't feel like they can openly share what's happened to them or what they've gone through or how they've healed or the, how they need to heal or any of it um, because they feel quieted or scared or, exactly. they don't, you know, they don't trust the, the you know, the, everybody knows the best ever you show you can say anything on here, basically. And it's like this cool, <laughs> trusted space in place 
for us all to heal and grow and change and collaborate and do whatever we're going to do. I promise you, somebody out here listening to the show will hear you and go, oh, that resonated so much. You've changed my life. It might be one. It might be I two. I hope so. It might be 100, but that's, I think that's where the real change happens, um, and, and we all go forward together. I really hope so. so. And you hit the nail on the head. It's sharing your life lessons and being vulnerable because that will really people feel that they can do the same thing. And yeah, if I touch one person, then that's fantastic. Yeah. Yep, that's perfect. Well, um, I have, is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to cover? Um, I have website and book, but you know, feel free to talk about anything that you want to go. We've got about 10 minutes left or so, five, 10 minutes or so. Um, do you have anything else or... Or do we cover everything? <laughs> I don't know. I've got no time. Yeah, I think I really love having you on the show. I think we've covered a lot, and um, I just I think that the important thing for people to understand and take away from my book, especially, is just that it's okay to ask for help. That's one chapter I also cover in my book, which is important. And as you just said, it's great to share your life lessons because sometimes when we hold things back, we have secrets because we're too embarrassed to say, you know, I have depression or I have, um, you know, suicidal ideations or I need help, whatever it is. If we keep it in the dark, then it just festers there. But if we can share and talk to one another and make it less of a stigma, as you said, talking about depression and anxiety and all of that, um, my daughter has depression and anxiety. And I feel so guilty sometimes because I think she must get it from me. It must be a genetic thing. But she says to me, you know, Mom, I'm so happy that you have depression because you can understand me when I'm in my darkest place I can reach out to you and I know that you get it so it's important to talk to others our children our friends because you never know who you're going to touch with your story you on the show and I hope you'll come back and be a bigger part of best ever you now that we know each other and our HCI authors together which is very fun (laughs) I love that so um, I wish you yeah congratulations on your book coming out November 2nd everybody it's called Thriving Life it's by Laura Berg it's B-E-R-G is how you spell her last name Um, we've got links to um, the book and I have an interview with you that I'm going to post on best ever you um, that's like a written blog format and it'll go with the show so people are about to know you on our network big time if they don't already (laughs) so wonderful so great Yeah, well, thank you very much, and um, I hope you have a a wonderful day. And, again, best of luck with your book. Congratulations. And um, everybody can go to uh, lauraberginc.com to learn more about Laura and to book her for speaking. That's a big thing. Right. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes, exactly. All right. (laughs) All right, take care. Congratulations again, and uh, everybody have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.